Well, 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 Webby. I gotta say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind to the NBA for finally coming back because I was going through withdrawals, Webby. I can't even lie to you. My name is Sean Alexander, and I'm here, of course, with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude? It's been a long week of watching the Olympics, let me tell you. I'm like, I didn't even know. Like, what did we do when the NBA was on strike? What did we do when, you know, the finals is over? Like, I don't even know. I didn't know what to do with myself for the past few days because no NBA was just, it was too much to bear. I need the NBA in my life. It's not like we didn't get stories because we did get some crazy stories coming out of the NBA this week. And the, and the All-Star game had a lot of, like, crazy things going on that I'm sure that we'll get to. But just not having the actual games was, was tough. I know it's so true. And, you know, the one of the things they worked out, although they did extend. No, sorry. What did they do? They extended the season by starting the season earlier to eliminate right. the back to backs. But they also extended the all star break to give a full basically full <laughs> week off. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you were an all star, like I'm pretty sure if you follow LeBron on Instagram, you were able to see the fact that like my guy went on, I think, two vacations right, with the all star game mixed in between. So, you know, a good time to rest and hopefully maybe he doesn't need his Miami rest, you know, this year and uh, he'll be ready to go for the second half of the season. But I know we are ready to go on the second half of the season here on the Ball on Blast podcast, Webby. And, you know. With All-Star Weekend just passing up, I think we should do a little All-Star Recap. What do you think? Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, where else are we going to start with than with the anthem before the All-Star game? <laughs> do we even, I mean, yeah. <sighs> yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Worst, in the, <laughs> is that the worst anthem that you've ever heard? We'll, we'll, we'll get to, let's get to that in the Feed Me segment. That'll be there in the Feed Me segment. For all sure. right, all right. We'll get there, we'll get there. But we'll start off with a little turn up, turn down, all-star edition, right? And overall, Webby, we'll go with this for the first statement. As always, if this is your first time listening, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. First statement, the new all-star format was a success. Webby, turn up or turn down? Oh, turn way up. Turn way up. I mean, I, this was the first, I, I, honestly, this was the first all-star weekend in which the all-star game was legitimately the best part so true right and the intensity of the game i don't know if it was just a simple fact of having the players have to put their name on it like it's team lebron versus team steph do you really want your name to be associated with taking an l do you know what i mean like that i think that has to add a certain level of of pride you know what i mean like and with that being said you getting picked by LeBron, you want to kind of like show LeBron, you know, like I feel like there were dudes where there are a couple levels to this back me up here for a sec. If you agree, Webby, but I feel like there were a couple levels. There were the dudes that, you know, no matter what they're trying, right? Like that's like Giannis, I think for sure. Russ, they only have like one gear and that's go. Then you had the dudes that are kind of like, they're feeling it out and they're going to try, but they're going to pick their spots, you know, like they're trying, but they're clearly still picking their spots and I'd say yeah. that was like Kyrie, Paul George, Steph for the most part, obviously LeBron. But and then you had the dudes that, yo, it's All Star Weekend. I've been out Bring all week. <laughs> exactly, Jimmy Butler, which we'll get to. But you know, and I think like the level of dudes or the amount of dudes that were actually trying, like it wasn't just a full on like, 
yeah, we're all tired. It's been a long weekend. This is the last thing before we get out. Like, I feel like dudes had stuff saved in the tank. And when the end of the game came, man, the defense was up. That was a fire end to the game. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, this was definitely like, I would say for the first three quarters, it was a very typical all-star game, we'll say. Uh, You know, we had some crazy plays that, it didn't seem to be that intense in the first half, mm-hmm. but I think that once it came down to it, the real competitive juices got flowing. And you could see it, man. Like, they were playing defenses, especially, you know, down the stretch. Those guys wanted to win, and it was funny to uh, to see kind of who took over in terms of alpha dog and where the ball went. And uh, I think the coaching Man, I, I was like, Mike D'Antoni didn't do... I know it was an all-star game, but Mike D'Antoni didn't do much as a coach and, and from what I saw. Maybe he was taking a, a Draymond Green kind of uh, vacation there for the all-star game, but there's some <laughs> questionable decisions down the stretch. Did you see that? I think it was... Was it the Portland? Someone from Portland. I don't know if it was Lillard, Lillard himself or if it was uh, Portland's Twitter account that was kind of upset that Lillard wasn't on the floor at the end. But when Kyle Lowry was, I don't know if you saw that, like there was kind of like a, some shade being thrown out there, which I mean, if you watch the game, Lillard was on fire. Right. Yeah. And so at the end, again, it's, you're right. It's about the alpha dogs. And you mentioned it, Webby, the coaching. And I don't know if Casey had this planned out the whole time, but I don't know if, if you love basketball like we do. The fact of seeing on one team on the floor to close a game, Kevin Durant. LeBron James as your front court, Paul George at the three, and then Kyrie and Russ as the backcourt. Yeah. Like, that's like a, a basketball fan's dream, right? Like, that was so crazy to see. It was so good. Like, I was just in heaven. I was like, this is just amazing. I, You're right in the sense that all-star games usually don't matter. And I think what ends up happening is guys kind of try, and then if they're getting blown out, it's like, oh, whatever. It's the all-star game. It doesn't matter. But I think, you know having the charities involved and like literally how could you have these kids come out? Right. And let's say you're LeBron or you're Steph, whatever. Or even if you're just one of the other guys on the team, Webby, right. And you have the kids from whatever it was, the after school programs or the boys and girls club or whatever. And those kids are right there and you're playing for that charity. And then you got to pose and take pictures with them. And you didn't even try like that kind of, I feel like you got to have some sense of like, you know, like you're a real dirt ball. (laughs) if You didn't even try. And you're playing for these little kids that are like here watching you play. You know what I mean? Listen, the other thing too, it's a weird dynamic of the, the players picking their own teams. Mm -hmm. It was just wild seeing those players that we, you know, the the media narratives push them apart. You know, Kyrie hates LeBron, and that's why he left. And uh, Durant couldn't play with Russ, and now they beef all the time. Yeah, yeah. But just seeing these players play together uh, and having picked, been picked by LeBron or by Steph, I think that it just does something to amp up the energy i guess yeah maybe change the vibe to get hippie on you well at the end of the day it's basketball right and like we're always talking about lebron and and the beefs as you just said right but at the end of the day whatever lebron and Kyrie might think of each other personal personally over the stretch of like you know a hundred games a year for the past like three years you know what i mean 
they still know that at the end of the day, if we're talking about a one night only, let's play ball, you want Kyrie on your team. You want LeBron on your team. You want Russ on, you know what I mean? And I think like right. that, that side of it still matters in the sense that, oh no, we're not losing to Steph and DeMar and, and whoever else was on the court. I don't even, who was uh, on? Joel Embiid played an amazing all-star game. I thought if, I thought that if Steph's team won, that, uh, that Joel could have a, uh, a legitimate shot at MVP. He played great, man. People were saying it was either DeMar. DeMar was getting a lot of love because I think he had the most points for Team Steph. But either way, like, who... I'm trying to remember. Who finished the game for Team Steph? Do you remember? I should look it up right now. Maybe they uh, have the uh, so, Well, so it was Joel Embiid, uh, Steph, DeMar. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they take Draymond off? Because I know that they took. Oh, Draymond they, was on for like defensive purposes. I do remember. So and they that. took Joel Embiid off when they went offense, defense, on defense. Yeah, it was, they had like three or four blocks. You know what? That possession where they had Joel Embiid on the court and basically Team LeBron just swung the ball around to find whoever Joel Embiid was guarding. Because again, you essentially have five guards on the floor, right? Like you're talking right. KD, Russ. KD, Russ, Kyrie, LeBron, Paul George, and that's it, right? Either one of those guys, you're talking a, a crazy ISO. That's essentially a mismatch on a big, right? But, but that one play near the end where Paul George, I think it was, had it at the top of the key, and he tried to take, he beat Joel off the dribble, but then obviously being so long and athletic, Joel came back and blocked it. That, yeah. to me, was like a crazy, crazy play. And you're right, like how he then ended up on the bench when they should just have been throwing it deep into him every single rip, you know? Well, not well. I mean, he was out there for offense, but he wasn't out there for that defensive possession. Now, that play that Team LeBron ran was awesome. Yeah, great play that drawn was, up by, that was great. by Casey, for sure. So good. But, I mean, when you look at uh, Team Steph, I think the biggest problem might have been uh, James Harden. He, when you're talking about the guys, you know, I was James going through Harden. the, yeah, we were talking about the guys that are able to flick the switch because they're still coming to play a basketball game and the guys who, you know, they flicked the switch the night before at the club because that's when they were turning up. I think James Harden probably falls into that latter category, right? You oh, look yeah. at, he had 12 points in that All Star game, five of 19. Like, oh, okay. I, think I saw a couple air balls too. It was <laughs> Right. So imagine how crazy that is if you're Harden and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, this is the all star game. And then you see that final play and like Steph and, or not Steph, KD and LeBron are playing like, you know, Coach K defensive slide drill type <laughs> defense. Right. You're James Harden. You're like, yo, man, I'm still sweating Henny out here. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah, right? he's got vodka coming out of his pores. <laughs> All-Star game was so much fun, man. That was such a success. But if I had to ask you, Webby, who do you think won All-Star weekend? Uh, LeBron James. Yeah, definitely. I really do. I I think that, did you see the sound up segment of him during the All-Star game? The the one they played during the game, or is there one that came out afterwards online? No, there was like a soundtrack of it afterwards of him like, uh, saying respect to Jerry West and Kareem yes, and yes, Bill yes. Russell, and then uh, just him on the court and him uh, in the huddles and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, the NBA is so. I mean, we said this. You know, th- this was the case with Jordan too. I mean, they're so lucky in the stars that they get. Yeah, that uh, that 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 can be like not just the best players, but like real ambassadors for the game. Oh, for sure. 
And he he understands everything that's going on, right? And the fact that his name being on it obviously is a massive big thing, but also, you know, as you said, paying respects to the ones that came before him, right? And uh, right after the game, when he went on the panel with TNT after, and he was discussing the whole, you know, whatever Boy, that stupid saying. Fox, yeah, I wasn't even going to say her name. I don't even mm-hmm. remember her name, whatever that tool is. For those who don't know, this woman on Fox News, she did a great job in promoting herself and whatever her show is, because I never even heard of her or her show before that. But right. she basically made the comment about uh, LeBron and KD. We talked about it last week on our podcast. LeBron and KD did that video with Carrie Champion. They had some pretty negative things to say about Donald Trump. And she her comment to them was basically to shut up and dribble, which is probably the most disrespectful thing that someone could say to a grown-ass man, especially one that does a lot of the things that LeBron James does. Like That's completely the wrong person to go at, right? So for the way that he took that down, and I know this is an easy stance to take because it's not like it's not like he had to do anything difficult, right? Like, it's not like he had to say anything hard. It's not like he's calling Kaepernick or anything like that, right? But for him to just understand the role that he plays in terms of, yeah, it's more than just me. I owe it to my family. I owe it to the kids. I owe it to, you know, the fans. I owe it to the legends before me, right? The Bill Russells that went through, like, the real, real shit, right? Yeah. That to me. stay at the certain hotels and stuff. Yeah, like the the progression or I, I guess the maturation of LeBron and just what his career has meant over the past couple of years. It's crazy to see. And and again, I don't want to get this misconstrued because it's not like he's Kaepernick. He's not taking like any like strong, hard stances on anything, right? Or any like difficult stances because that's not really what it is. I think it's more just about the the platform that he has because hey the reality is if 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 a dude on that level i say this all the time right a dude on that level that let literally has millions and millions of dollars can do whatever he wants and on the side note decides that he's going to send what like hundreds of kids to to university right like donate millions of dollars to do stuff like that right does all these good right. things had all the pressure on him for his entire life hasn't made a mistake in the in the spotlight somehow throughout his entire career and then for him to still be looked at as just a nigger right like what i say this too as a black dude what do i think that my coworkers think of me when i walk into my office do you know what i mean and that's and people might think that that's a far stretch but no like that's the reality that people think about on a daily basis and i think the fact that lebron james saying that people shy that away but right. The more that he talks about it, I think it's forcing people to to think and be like, wait a second, is that really what like my black coworker thinks? Like, is that how my coworker really feels? You know what I mean? And I think like that's a super, super important part of this whole thing. And just the way that he handled that on the NBA's biggest stage, I think he said it too during one of his media sessions, right? Like he almost like thanked her because he was like, now we're using this platform, which is one of the biggest stages the NBA has to discuss once again, just the ignorant ways that, you know, people are dealing with in this country and in North America, in the world by like the leader of the free world. Right. Right. It's a crazy thing. I mean, God bless what Colin Kaepernick does, but I mean, it's not like Colin Kaepernick is the face of an entire sport, like the way that LeBron James is right now. For sure. And that's the, the interesting part about it too, right? Webby is that, Colin Kaepernick, yes, he gave up his career to do it, but the reality is LeBron James, like, there's nothing that could happen to LeBron James. Like, if he decided he was going to kneel tomorrow, like, nothing would happen to him. 
right? No, like he wouldn't lose not. his job. Nike wouldn't bat an eye. Like it'd be a massive news story. And for whatever reason, he doesn't do that. I thought it was kind of a cheap shot. Did you see the comment? I guess it was before All-Star Weekend that Kobe did an interview with someone and he said if he was still playing, he would have kneeled. And I was like, that's kind of like, come on, man. That's yeah, so man. unfair to say. That's right. Like that's totally unfair because like, First off, it's hindsight. Secondly, like you could have done anything and you didn't really, you know what I mean? You never did anything to that level while you were playing. Exactly. And, and what is that, what, what is that proving, you know? like Yeah. Even what? if that is the case, what does that mean now? Right? Like it, it means nothing. Like you're just kind of like making a bad statement towards the guys that are playing now, right? Exactly. What do you think though, Webby, just in terms of like, you know, LeBron, we, yeah, all the social stuff aside, like LeBron did have an amazing week. Like he was the ambassador. He won MVP of the All-Star game. Um, a great week for LeBron. On the flip side, though, I just asked you who won the weekend. <laughs> who lost the weekend, Webby? Huh. Uh, well, I mean, just because it's all—it's only All-Star weekend, so I don't want you to take too much into this. Yeah. But I think that the Houston Rockets lost All-Star weekend. <laughs> Why? Why did the Rockets okay. lose All-Star Weekend? Well, okay, first of all, Eric Gordon, uh, I think he was the favorite in the three-point contest. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, James Harden, as we said, was uh, far more uh, into uh, the wilds of Los Angeles. His, uh, <laughs> I believe it's his hometown. Yes, it um, is. Uh, far more uh, into the nightlife of Los Angeles than he was in uh, playing for Team Steph. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and Mike D'Antoni's coaching performance. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I we think, no, I go think on. that's 0 for 3. <laughs> fair now, enough. Now, the, the actual, like, the biggest, per, that, that, that's the team. The biggest loser, I think, was uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, we'll get to that. I, we'll get to I that. That's the next time. But, uh, I think he got screwed. But other than that, I think the biggest loser of the Houston Rockets representation at the All-Star weekend. For sure. Someone who, who also has to be in consideration is whoever greenlit the Kevin Hart shit at the beginning of the All-Star oh. Game. Whoever oh. was in charge of that meeting, whoever okayed that, that person needs to get fired. Because that was, and I don't, you know what, I know that sounds super harsh because I don't want anyone to lose their job, but obviously I'm exaggerating, but the reality is that was horrible. I don't even know what that was. Like I was watching it, trying to figure out like what exactly was going on. And then more and more people kept coming out. <laughs> Right, like that guy from that uh, Zac Efron movie where there are two brothers and they go on vacation. I don't know what the guy's name is, though. I don't, I don't. You know the dude oh. I'm talking about, though, right? I, I don't know what the guy's name is, but it was like Queen Latifah and it was Ludacris. And then like, what's that guy's name? The comedian? Something Riggle. Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle. And then, yeah, that guy from like that, that Dave and Chris go to need wedding dates or whatever that movie's called. Oh, oh, oh the, the, the guy from... Um... Yeah, 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 yeah. The right? Guy, you know the guy, the guy I'm talking about. The guy from Workaholic. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm saying, like, he pops up and he's, like, singing and dancing. Like, we're watching a musical all of a sudden. I'm like, what is this? Who who okayed this? And, like, the Kevin Hart jokes, like, he kind, like, it was a little bit more entertaining, I, I guess. pretty lame. I'm saying it was, like, from where he started, he could only go up. And so yeah, <laughs> yeah. the jokes were like a little bit better. But yeah, I don't know where that came from. But whoever that person was that came up with that idea and then who allowed it to go on, yeah, you you lost All-Star Weekend for sure. But as we move on, Webby, in our Turn Up, Turn Down segment, next topic is Donovan Mitchell deserved to win the dunk contest. Turn up or turn down? 
Turn it down. Turn it down. Okay, okay. That means who should have won, Webby? Well, okay. Uh, maybe, listen, maybe he gets in, but listen, the best dunk of the dunk contest was Dennis Smith Jr.'s going the other with the other hand on the between the legs dunk. I actually agree. I totally that was agree. The, that was the best dunk of the weekend. No, I, I totally agree. That was by far the best dunk of the weekend. And the thing, too, to me was he made it look so easy as well. And that was the crazy part. And if he was doing that early on, it makes you wonder like what else he had in his back pocket. Do you know what I mean? But with that said, Donovan Mitchell, the one that he won on, the Vince Carter dunk was cool, whatever. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, he didn't do it as smooth as Vince Carter, so I don't know. You know, it was almost like a detriment in trying to copy Vince because like no one can make it look as good as Vince Carter did. Do you know what exactly. I mean? But I would have said Larry Nance Jr. I think he got robbed, man. I like because he had a little bit of everything in his performance. You know, he had something of sentimental value of wearing the old school jersey, but yeah. there's actually meaning to it. Like Dennis Smith Jr., like not Dennis Smith. Why do I keep saying Dennis Smith Jr. instead of Donovan <laughs> Mitchell? It's so weird. But Donovan Mitchell, right? Him wearing the Vince Carter jersey, like, I don't know what the connection is there. Like, maybe he just liked Vince Carter and he had an awesome dunk thing. thing, right? But like, Larry Nance Jr. To switch and get his dad's old school jersey, and then have his dad well have his dad there, and then but also mimic his dad's actual dunk in the dunk contest, like that cradle dunk, like that's so sick. Like I thought that was really cool, and you know, to me, I know him not winning. Okay, cool, but that's still going to be one of those moments. I think that ends up in every single year's All Star montage, right? Of course. That split screen of him and his dad doing the same dunk, like that was super cool. His dad uh, sitting courtside. His dad like helped him on a dunk as well, and the double tap. Okay, so here's my other thing: was uh, was Donovan Mitchell also the one who did the? Uh, he also did short shorts. He pulled off somebody else's jerk, Doctor Duncanstein, right? Yeah, he had the the other dude for, that played on the Jazz. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when he went to the Doctor Duncanstein. He went with the uh, short shorts, but he had like the full leggings on underneath. Yes. What was up with that? <laughs> that's why. That's why you're turning down his leggings. <laughs> no, at least Larry Nance when he had the short shorts went like high socks, you know, but still had the short shorts. Oh, he kept it real with the old school look. You're saying kept it authentic. I, th- I think it's kind of cheating if you're going to go short shorts. Don't go full leggings as well. That's kind of weird. <laughs> That's amazing. I think Larry Nance should have won. I love the double tap dunk. I think like that's super hard. That and I, was I, I, super sick. That was super sick. And I like the innovation, right? I like when I it's something that we haven't seen before, right? I think like that should be graded on a better curve or better scale than, you know, okay, I copied Vince Carter's dunk and didn't do it as well. It's just my opinion. The, just what I think. The, the Larry Nance reacts to after the double tap dunk was amazing. Yeah, because he knew like the crowd was kind of like confused, right? And his biggest problem with that dunk, Webby, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he made it look so easy that people didn't understand what he did. So it was, it's funny that Donovan Mitchell went with the Vince Carter jersey for his because the the, the same sound, the only other sound that I've heard from that crowd in a dunk contest that was comparable to Nance's double tap was Vince's arm in the rim. Ooh. Yes. And that same yeah. kind of like, wait, he did 
he, he did what? Yeah. And he needed a second to kind of see it on the big screen in slow motion. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one, too, I guess kind of like that was the um, Dwight Howard, where he put the sticker at the top of the backboard. Definitely. So true. I do remember sick. that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. Uh, my boys, they were all out last night. I went to meet them after uh, they play like Wednesday night ball, and I went to meet them after. And they reminded me of one dunk that I totally forgot about. Do you remember when Gerald Green did the between the legs dunk in his socks? Yeah, <laughs> Dude, he, he also did the blow out the blow out the birthday. Cupcake. <laughs> yes, but I, I was just like, oh shit, I totally forgot about that, right? Because again, it's one of those things where I think the average fan, like you, don't really understand because they make it look so easy, but you don't really understand how difficult that is to just like jump in your socks and do it between the legs and dunk it right but yeah i'm for those type of things right we're seeing things that we've never seen before i'd give a lot more credit to that and i think the whole show i'll give it to larry nance but yeah i agree with you too webby the best dunk of the night does go to dennis smith jr absolutely uh one last turn up turn down and it's kind of going back to the actual all-star game but the topic here is webby it was totally cool that jimmy butler did not play in the All-Star game. Turn up or turn down? I'm going to turn up because do you know who Jimmy Butler's coach is in Minnesota? <laughs> Dude, he's been playing all year. Absolutely. Listen, he knows how good that the Timberwolves are this year, and he knows how important he is to their team. Okay. Listen, it, it's an All-Star game, okay? Jimmy Butler's going to play in more All-Star games. Don't True. worry about that. True, but playing devil's advocate here, one, he could have played for like five minutes. He could have played for like 10 minutes and gotten a sweat in and sat down. And you still have a full week off before you play anyways. And you're only going to play like 10 minutes. But most importantly, I think, you know, the reason why it sucks, like to get a DNP CD in an all-star game, like you're giving up a spot to like, you know, could have been to Lou Will or could have been to your boy Ben Simmons or someone, right? Like someone else could have been moved into that slot and, you know, whatever, if you didn't want to play, make up an injury, right? Like you have a, a bum ankle or something, right? And then someone else gets a replacement. And what kind of, it would have been so cool all of an honor for someone like Lou Will who might not have that chance again, or even someone like Ben Simmons to like double down on the rookie season that he's having. It would have been a cool look for someone like that if you're Jimmy Butler and you know, you know what, I'm probably not going to play. Just say you have a bum ankle or something, right? And then they can yeah. name someone else an all-star. That would have been cool, I, I think. Because when do you think he knew that he wasn't going to play? You make a good point, but I, I don't know if, if it was Jimmy Butler's intention at the beginning of the All-Star game to be like, ah, you know, I'm not going to play even though I get selected. I'm not sure when he made that decision, but you're right. If he had made that decision early on, as soon as he got selected, then yeah, I've got no problem with him being like, hey, listen, thanks for the honor. It really means a lot to me, but you know, I'm not planning on playing. I'd like to give up my spot to somebody. Totally cool. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you just said there, Webby. That's totally true. But it sounds like overall in our turn up, turn down segment, we're turning up all the way up on the all-star game as a whole. Good times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm turning up definitely on the game. The, the, the Saturday I thought was a little lackluster. Yeah. The dunk contest, it was okay. It was better than last year, but I guess last year's dunk off was really weak. So you could yeah. only go up. Three-point shootout was kind of lame. Wasn't really that good. Uh, I'm a sucker for the celebrity game for some reason, <laughs> even though I know it's not. I, no, no, no. When, when I don't know half the people in the celebrity all-star game, I'm out. Hold on. But, okay, true. I don't think you ever know I, half I the people, take, but, no, like, I, I'll tell you what I Quavo, Beebs. I saw Quavo's line. 
Oh, his stat line? Yes. Monster. Monster Yo, line. MVP of the game, right? Quavo, although when he blocked that girl, like, come on, Quavo. Oh like, you got to chill out a little. out of her face. <laughs> so wrong. But yeah, Quavo getting the MVP. I mean, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, how about uh, Jamie Foxx walking out of that interview? Did you see that? No. He was doing an interview with ESPN Sports Center with Michael Smith before the game. And Michael yeah. Smith, like, it was he tried to play slick, but he's like, So Valentine's Day just passed. Like, did you and Katie Holmes play a little love and basketball one on one before you know the practice and get you ready for the game? And Jamie Foxx just gets up and takes off the headset and walks off and then pretends to like start doing like stretching drills. Yo, how are you gonna how are you gonna breeze over the most uh, Jamie Foxx and Katie Holmes are a thing. Hold on, you didn't know th- you were unaware of this. Come on, I was unaware. seriously, you didn't know this. It's been a thing for a while now. Yeah, but they never acknowledge it. They've never acknowledged it. So it came out as like a. I guess they they've been seeing each other for a while. Like I want to say over a year, if not years. Uh, like it's been a long time. But Whoa. they never acknowledge it. He'll never talk about it. Uh, I think they get spotted together a couple times, maybe, but like, yeah, it's a, it's pretty much like a known thing in Hollywood and in like those circles, but they never really talk about it. So it's yeah, when Michael time. Smith asked him about it, he tried to be slick and like ask him about it. And I think it was a pretty clever way to try to ask him about it, right? And he just like got up, took the head, took the headset off and he didn't do it like in an angry way or anything. No, yeah, he, yeah, he did yeah. it like a, in a cheap. Jamie Fox kind of way, right? Like he took it off and kind of walked because he's doing like stretching drills and like plain view of the camera shot. Still, <laughs> like it was actually kind of funny. That's but, good. Yeah, celebrity game. I'm I'm here for the jokes, man. And the Beebs playing ball, Beebs shooting hoops. I'm here for that, man. Why not? Nice. Shout out to the Beebs. Uh, another thing we wanted to do here, because obviously other than the all-star game, there wasn't that much ball going on. So last week, Webby had the great idea, which I I totally loved where we kind of look ahead and kind of look back, I guess, and predict who the MVPs are or other awards, you know, MVP coach of the year, stuff like that. Let's, let's go through a couple awards here on the Ball on Blast podcast, Webby. And I think we should start with, who is your rookie of the year if the season were to end today? Oh, well, I mean, it's so easy for me. I mean, you know who I'm (laughs) going to say. I I just think that Ben Simmons' numbers this year are unbelievable. Uh, All across the board, he's ranking in like the top five across all the major statistical categories for rookies. And then he's just about, I think he's only two triple-doubles shy of Magic Johnson's uh, rookie record for triple doubles. If you love that stat, but, you know, Ben Simmons is right there. And I think he's proven himself a pretty dynamic uh, offensive player. Now, uh, I understand Donovan Mitchell, especially lately, has been uh, really coming on. And uh, Jason Tatum early on in the year was on fire. Mm-hmm. But I think consistent uh, consistency definitely counts for rookie of the year. And I think that uh, I think Ben Simmons is by it. By far the rookie of the year. By far the rookie of the year. Whoa, I don't know if I'm able to to give you by far rookie of the year, Webby. And I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell, actually. And the reason I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell is because as a rook on that team, especially, you know, I'm going to give him a lot of credit for And I know this is probably unfair and this isn't how, like, the these awards are picked. But I think the surprise factor of it makes it that much of a big deal, right? Because we weren't expecting that much from Utah. We were kind of expecting him to be nothing. Donovan Mitchell fell in the draft, despite a lot of people thinking that 
you know, he would, he'd still be a good player, but you know, him at 13, I don't think people were seeing this, you know, this coming and he's dropping pretty much 20 points a night, three and a half assists, three and a half rebounds per game. But on top of that, he is by far the best player on the Utah jazz right now. And the Utah jazz in the wild, wild West, they're, they're hanging around. They're only a game and a half out. And I don't know if we would have predicted that, you know, and I think definitely if the Utah jazz get into the playoffs in the West, to me, I think I got to give that nod to Donovan Mitchell as being the best player. And if you're putting up 20 points a night as the best player on a playoff team in the West, as a rookie, I don't know, Webby. I might have to give that to that nod listen, to Donovan Mitchell. Joe, listen, Joe Ingles uh, has beef with your uh, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. I'm serious, man. Joe Ingles uh, is having a hell of a season. I'm not mad at Joe Ingles. I'm really not. But, Joe Ingles but, is like that dude, and you know the dude, if you've ever played pickup ball, that you're looking at him and you're like, yo, this guy's just getting buckets somehow. Yeah, you can't stop yeah. this guy, but why can't we stop this guy? That's Joe Ingles. He's the best three-point shooter in the league. It's, now, the, my thing is, now, does where you were selected in the draft affect where you stand in the Rookie of the Year race? I don't know if it does. If it does, then, listen, Kyle Kuzma is the Rookie of the Year. No, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. I was more just saying, like, I think this, uh, the shock value of everything, like just Donovan Mitchell, but then also the Utah Jazz just not being a complete dumpster fire. You know what I mean? Like, I think those things, and then I'm adding in the West Coast bias because I still believe the West is, you know, the 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 NBA is still kind of slanted towards right. the Western conference being the stronger conference. But either way, I think it's a very good debate. Like I, I think even if it is Ben Simmons, I don't think it's a runaway victory. Is that well, fair? I, I don't know. I mean, Whoa, listen, okay. Donovan, listen, Donovan Mitchell, like he scores a lot of points, but so does Ben Simmons. The only difference is Simmons puts up like seven or eight rebounds a game and another six assists a game. He's also not really a rookie. Well, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That was just low hanging fruit for me, Webby. Come on. Sometimes I just, I see it on the tee and I got to just knock it out of the park sometimes, right? Listen, listen. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Oh man. Amazing. So we each, we each, I mean, not that I disagree with Ben Simmons being the MVP. I mean, it's tough to argue against Ben Simmons, but. I think Donovan Mitchell definitely has a very good case. Um, but moving on, our next award, Coach of the Year, Webby. Who do you think should be the Coach of the Year? Well, now everybody out there is going to say that we should say uh, Dwayne Casey. Okay. And I think that Dwayne has done a lot, especially with this culture reset that we keep talking about and uh, bringing on the bench unit as well as he had. But you know who I'm going to say is uh, Greg Popovich. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, actually. Yeah, go on. Uh, uh, because, I mean, well, we, the big uh, news kind of uh, just that dropped today or yesterday was the article about uh, Kawhi and his injury and how the Spurs are dealing with it and how it's really kind of up to Kawhi to come back and how he manages the pain. And this story was obviously leaked or kind of given to Woj and ESPN by the Spurs front office, right? But the yeah. thing is, with Pop, the way that he coaches the team and really manages the whole Spurs organization when it comes to the players and the basketball operations, you wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice that there's this beef between the team and their best player. Because all they've done without one of the best four players in the NBA is claw their way to third in the Western Conference, which we both agree 
has the best talent in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And not only that, like he's doing it with a different lineup, it seems, every night. We think that it's impressive what Casey does with the bench. Pop doesn't have the same 15 or same 12 guys on a night to night basis. It's so true, you know, and we talk a lot. Obviously, we have our wrap it up segment where we talk about the Raptors and, you know, the biggest stories going on with Toronto. And a lot of the talk is always about, oh, how come the U.S. media isn't talking about us and blah, blah, blah. And like, I kind of want to ask a lot of Raptor fans, like, how come you guys aren't talking about the Spurs? Right, because I was just gonna say, yeah, exactly. Right, like the, the reality is, don't get any pub, exactly. Right, so if you're Toronto Raptors fans thinking that, oh well, we don't get anyone talking about us because we're the Raptors and we're so good every year, like nobody talks about the Spurs. And you're so right, Webby. What the Spurs are doing right now, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense at all. Because as you said, for them to be 11 games over 500 right now and in third in the West, with you know. LaMarcus Aldridge having a redemption type season, I guess, but like it's LaMarcus Aldridge and Deontay Murray and uh, Kyle Anderson and Danny Green for six games at a stretch and then he sit and then Manu Manu Ginobili for two games. Right, like Tony Parker coming off the bench, like Powell coming off their bench. Like I honestly have no idea how the Spurs do it and it's obviously uh, an institutional thing, right? Like they have a system and they pick players that fit into said system and you you quickly know your role and how you're going to fit in and just do your job type thing, not to steal the line from Bill Belichick. But I think like it is kind of that mentality, right? Like Pal Gasol, you give us some good minutes and when you give us your good minutes, you're going to give us a double-double, right? LaMarcus Aldridge, you're probably going to get the most touches. Do what you do in the block, right? And I, I feel like it's just such a crazy, crazy thing that the Spurs are doing and to be doing it without Kawhi Leonard, which was interesting because the past couple years, so much of the talk has been about how good Kawhi is and is he in that upper echelon with LeBron and, you know, like in those top, you know, the top tier, which I think is LeBron, Katie, Russ, Steph. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the top tier, you know, the top tier guys. And I feel like Kawhi's. Uh, I'd say Harden is in there too. Harden's in there too. Yes, for sure. James Harden is definitely in there. Yes, you're totally right. And I feel like Kawhi, people have been trying to push Kawhi into that bubble too in the MVP uh, talks. I he's in there, man. I mean, there's no better. All I'm going to say. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to take away from Kawhi Leonard, the player, because I think he is a really, really good player. But all I'll say is if you removed LeBron off of the Cavs, if you removed James Harden off the Rockets, if you took KD, well, the Warriors are a bit of a different story, but if you took Russ off of the Thunder, do you, you see what I'm saying here? Right? Like, yeah. yo man, I don't know if those teams are hanging on and still being in third place in their, in the conference. And I don't know how much of that is, you know, the system being that good that it could sustain Kawhi Leonard. And so if you just added Kawhi Leonard, then these guys are obviously championship contenders, you know? I don't know if that's the case. You know, you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to say here? Oh, yeah. Like I don't know where the line is between, okay, well, this is just a really good team and Kawhi Leonard is a great player, and with Kawhi, they could take out the Warriors, or is it just, yo, our system's really good and Kawhi would help our system, but we're still not you know, beating the Warriors. Uh, I'd still say that Kawhi Leonard is in that echelon. Okay, that's interesting. There's a lot of conversations we're having here that I really want to hear people's feedback on too because I don't know and I like the conversation we're having because it, it's it's 
there's no right answer. You know what I mean? And you're saying things that make me think a lot because I'm like, hmm, is Kawhi in that same bracket as James Harden? Like, if I told you you could have, you know what I mean? Like, what's the trade off there? You know, it's it's super interesting, and I really wonder because it's such a weird thing what's going on right now. And you're right, the article by Woj is definitely slanted. Oh yeah, it was definitely put out by the Spurs because it's it's just odd, right? Like. So he's meeting with someone, but there is a Spurs person with him when he was in New York getting the, the second opinion. And apparently the second opinion said you're fine to come back and play, but then he's got this option that's coming up at the end of next year. Yeah. So when it's free agent year, like why put yourself at risk, even though you're so far into the season and your team's in third place, why put yourself at risk when you can be completely healthy for your free agent, you know, your year before you're a free agent? It's a completely fascinating story, right? And, and, and it's something that we've never seen with the Spurs before. I mean, we've sure. never, well, I mean, in this iteration of the Spurs, we've never seen a star player uh, take this stance of, hey, you know, um, thinking about kind of my future first rather than the Spurs. It's it's super crazy. And I, I mean, I don't know what the Spurs are going to do in the playoffs, but it does set up an interesting scenario now where if you're the two teams at the top, Right in terms of Golden State and uh, Houston, are you kind of jockeying for that two spot because you would rather play the Spurs in the second round than have to play, let's say, OKC or Minnesota? It brings uh, up an interesting scenario. I, I, I'm sorry, I just don't think you ever want to say, "Yeah, I want the Spurs in in the playoffs." <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Fair point. Just throwing it out there, you know. Just throwing it out there, Webby. A guy you definitely don't want to see in the playoffs, unless you're the Warriors because you have Kevin Durant and three other (laughs) All-Stars, would be LeBron James, which brings us to our next award, which, who is the MVP this season? And I guess I just gave away who I think the MVP is. I think I what you're going to do. Webby, who's your MVP before I give my reasons for why LeBron's the MVP? Well, my my, uh, MVP is James Harden. Okay. Uh, his numbers, uh, whether you want to do traditional stats, are uh, insane. If you want to look at um, advanced stats, it's even more mind-blowing what he's doing. And then when you think of the fact that this team added basically another guy at his same position, mm-hmm. and the you know the big uh, question was, how are these two going to coexist? Who's going to get the ball? Well, I mean, they've done pretty freaking amazing. Uh, <laughs> and you could say that a lot of it has to do with Harden. Now, not only that, but it's the little things. It's, it, you know, two years ago, he was, uh, you know, ridiculed for his effort on defense. And I think he's, you know, he, listen, he's not Kawhi Leonard to uh, bring up the guy we just brought up, but he's certainly getting better and he's improving his game. And he's got the Rockets. I, it's a, it's unbelievable that we're talking about James Harden as like a leader. Yeah. But that's what he is. And like this Rockets team, they, they've got a real chance to be the number one seed in the West, uh, in this vaunted Western conference. And, uh, I, the, the guy's just insane. You watch him on a night to night basis. He's on unst- like, he's unstoppable. I mean, you're, you're totally right here. I can't really argue with anything that you just said, but I'm going to try to anyways. I mean, I'm looking it up right now, and it's crazy to first see that 
James Harden's averaging nine assists per game and Chris Paul's averaging 8.3. That's kind of crazy, first off. But James Harden at 33.3 points per game, nine assists, and five rebounds per game. That's crazy. It is. It's totally insane. His PER is 30.5, right? And so if we go across and as I click and my internet loads to one LeBron James, who's going for 26 and a half, 8.9 assists and eight rebounds per game. His PER is below Harden's at 27.8. And LeBron James was my MVP pick at the start of the season. Midway through, he's still my MVP pick. And the only reason I hesitate on LeBron James is because do we have to remove points from him because he blatantly didn't try in a few games to force the the hand of them making a trade? So, I mean, that stretch that he went down, he was. I'm not gonna. He was listen. He nothing. LeBron James has ever, ever average, but he was average for you know what he does, and he you could see that he he wasn't engaged. He wasn't trying, and uh, and, and I don't think that the other thing is too. Look at LeBron's turnovers per game. Yeah, and where they rank in his career. Now that can be one of many reasons why they're up there, but that's a little uh, hit against LeBron. It's not good. It's definitely not good. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But if you look back at some of those games, right? Like he was having uh buckets in garbage time to get him up there, but LeBron James scoring 11 points in a game like that's, that's just weird. That just that will always stand out to me as just being really really weird. And you know, with that said though, the other angle to take on this, the the hot take angle if I were to do that would be he mastermind the whole season. Right, like he he mastermind he mastermind this whole thing to where okay, I'm gonna play with my buddy D Wade for a bit. Oh, it didn't really work. Okay, well, how do I get younger players on the team? Cool, we got younger players now. Okay, yeah, I'm more comfortable with this younger team heading into the playoffs. It's quicker and more athletic, and I don't have to play nearly 40 minutes a game and play the four at 40 minutes a game. I can like chill a little more. I can take more rest. I don't have to I don't have to worry about the fact that if I go to the bench, we're going to blow a lead or we're going to be blown out just because I've been on the bench for a while. I mean, LeBron what he's doing on and off the court has been kind of crazy. We talked about it earlier in this podcast. I just think that if somehow this team and I know they're a little too far back, so it's probably it would be tough for them to to catch the Raptors and win the conference, but if they catch the Celtics, I don't know. Like, there's there's still some time left, and if they really pull off like one of those crazy win streaks that we've seen LeBron yeah. James teams do before, and he goes back to what was it, December LeBron that was just on Fuego? Yeah, I mean, he is a serious MVP case. That's all I'll say. LeBron's MVP case is very very serious. If he if he bogs down again and goes back to uh, December LeBron. That was pretty much like just going crazy, or maybe it was November. LeBron, I don't know that first that first two months of the season. LeBron was kind of going crazy. He would be my MVP pick just because he's still the best player in the world. I think when when it comes down to it, he's still the best player in the world. And yeah, I'm going completely with fair and uh, definitely has an argument. Uh, he has been outstanding. Uh, I, the one thing I will say is that it's a little closer between LeBron and Harden for me than it is for Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. Well, of course it is. That's because you love Ben Simmons and everything Sixers. Ben Simmons 
Ben Simmons is also sitting on 25, 5, and 12 right now. <laughs> and also, as we as we record this right now, the Cavs are losing by three to Washington. But LeBron just checked back in with eight minutes left oh, in the fourth quarter. Oh, okay. So, so, <laughs> okay, so we know how that one's going to happen. Yes, definitely. Uh, as we move on to our wrap-it-up segment, because we don't know how this season's going to end for the Raptors, but if the first half was any indication, chances are, Things will turn out well for our Toronto Raptors, who, again, as we mentioned last week, Raptors off to a great start in this regular season. They currently are off to the best start in franchise history. It was the first time they've ever uh, led the Eastern Conference after the All-Star break. But at 41 and 16, they're at a 719 win percentage. Like they have a chance of winning 60 games. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think about how good this Toronto Raptors team is this season, Webby. And sticking with our awards segment, we'll do it a little differently, right? Because, you know, it's obvious, you know, uh, DeMar would probably be the MVP of the team. But we'll, we'll put a little twist on this. Who do you think has been the biggest surprise this season for the Raptors? Or maybe just the biggest surprise of the season? Maybe it's not necessarily a player. I'll leave that open-ended for you. I was going to say, mine isn't necessarily a player. My biggest surprise is that they didn't trade Jonas Valanciunas. Oh, okay. And sticking with the uh, big uh, Lithuanian, uh, I know that the organization loves him and the, him being a uh, high first-round pick. Um, they, they love what he brings to the table in terms of uh, his offensive ability and his like real talent at the line with the free throws. Mm-hmm. But I thought that they were—I really thought that they were going to move him. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where hindsight—you know—if you look back and think just how much people were crushing Jonas for so many years. And I was one of those people, I think you were too, that was always like, they need to give him the ball. No, like, give the man the ball. Let him cook, right? Like, we're all about all these long twos. How are these twos in the paint? And did he always play as hard as we wanted him to be? And I don't mean hard as in, like, was he trying hard? I meant, like, aggressive, yes. Like, would we want him to just get the ball and just dunk everything in the paint? Of course. But he is a skilled big man, and I think that, he didn't get nearly enough credit for the fact that he just didn't get the ball nearly as much as he probably should have been getting the ball. And not that he's getting a ton more touches now. I think he's more maximizing his opportunities now, right? The other and, thing, too, is, uh, the, uh, I mean, earlier in his career, you could really see that a lot of times, especially DeMar, DeMar mm-hmm. and Kyle didn't trust him. Yeah. And yeah. they'd be in his ear and, you know, kind of giving them dirty looks every once in a while. But you know what, man, they, this season, especially early in the game, they trust the big man. Oh yeah. There's a lot of DeMar and Kyle driving to the basket and especially DeMar's improved on this so much driving to this the basket. Being able, the assists, right? Yeah. Being able to just drop off and you'll see like these little dump passes or like maybe even a little behind the back or a wraparound pass and finding JV for easy layups or like little just hook shots. And it's been a thing to see, the just a development of the team and the you're right the trust being the biggest factor of that um it is interesting you know it is a surprise they didn't trade Jonas because his name was involved so much for the past few years but my biggest surprise is OG and I know OG's kind of struggled maybe I don't know if it's a rookie wall I don't know if he's a little banged up over the past couple weeks but overall if we go back to the draft he was taken what 20th I think it was somewhere in that range my yeah. biggest thing with with what happened to OG though was most people didn't really know much about him, 
right? Unless you were a serious NCAA head, right? Like, and you're like deep diving. And I'm not talking about reading mock drafts. I'm talking about like you watched him play in college. Not many people would have been able to tell you much about OG Ananobi. And when he got picked, people were spending a lot more time trying to figure out how to pronounce his name more so than how is this guy going to fit on the team. But also, he was coming off a serious knee injury and we weren't even sure when he was going to play, right? Like there was talk that he was going to start the season injured. And then all of a sudden he was ready for the season and he didn't miss any games. And then it wasn't soon after that he was even a starter. So I just think that, you know, starter and contributing, right? Like getting big time assignments in terms of having to try to guard the other team's best perimeter guy. And I think when you add that into the fact that we didn't even really know who this guy was or what exactly we were getting. Now you're getting a starter and maybe the when healthy, when healthy, the three and D guy that they've probably been missing for the past yeah. how many years at Damari Carroll. And trying to add via free agency or trades and then sure. just kind, the kind th- of falls in their laps. Yeah, the three and D guy that, you know, Terrence Ross wasn't or Damari Carroll wasn't, and like all of a sudden now, you know, you kind of get this guy and it was very interesting to see. And it's a shame that he's kind of, you know, slowed down over the couple, the last few weeks, but maybe, you know, with this all-star break a week off, get him, he can refresh down the stretch and, you know, he will have to be a big part of what the Raptors do if they are to, in fact, you know, make some noise in the Eastern conference playoffs. So my biggest surprise is your boy, the real OG Ananobi. Now Uh, what's fun is neither of us said Fred Van Vliet. And I'll tell you my heart, because I knew that he was going to be an NBA player, and I knew he was going to be an NBA player for the Raptors. That's interesting. You're right. Freddie, Freddie probably should get some, some, some votes for our made-up awards here in terms of biggest surprise. I mean, I will say, if, if you talk about Freddie Web- Webster, I'll say, like, when the season started, my biggest worry about the Raptors was I thought they were relying a lot on the Young Bucks, and Freddie was a big part of that, right? Like, he now undoubtedly between him and DeLon, would have to share a lot of those backcourt minutes. And then if Kyle got hurt, which is always a worry with this team, right? He'd be thrusted in and you're kind of worried now. Like, could those guys handle the load? To be honest, if Kyle went down, I wouldn't even be that worried at all. And I know that sounds sounds bad and I don't mean that as a knock on Kyle. I mean that more so as like a way to big up what OG and DeLon have done this season. I just think that those two guys have been so good, and especially Fred. Fred's probably been more consistent in terms of that calming force in that second unit, or maybe even not the calming force, but maybe more the spark plug, right? Like he's yeah. kind of the, the what's your what's your go-to? The straw that stirs a drink there, Webby? The Webby's? straw that stirs a drink, man, absolutely. <laughs> right? Of the second unit that gets him really going. He, he's been a great, great player, and... Again, it will always go back to, you know, as March Madness nears, right? March Madness is coming. It's one of those things that we always talk about that I like to talk about all the time in terms of we forget sometimes that when you see a dude do something on the big stage that is March Madness, that at least is something that you know heading into an NBA draft. And sometimes, you know, people are so focused on, well, on the what could be's instead of what they actually know, right? Not only that, but a guy who's done it for, uh, well, I know Van Vliet was four years, and he, I think he was in the tournament all four years as well. So somebody who's not only done it on that stage once, but done it on that stage multiple times. Yeah, like it's not a fluke. The moment's not going to be too big for him. Like he's not scared. He's not nervous, right? Like I think those things matter. 
especially when you need minutes from a young guy, right? Like he, they needed minutes from him, and Freddie did not disappoint. So yeah, he he and, makes and it onto my enough, and mature enough to know that you know not right when you get in gonna get into the NBA that everything's gonna go your way that you're gonna have to put in hard work just like you did as a freshman as a sophomore to get to where you need to be. So true, Webby. So true. Um, so if we're going to ask the biggest surprise, maybe do we ask who the biggest disappointment? Is there a disappointment from the Jeez. Raptors first half of the season? Well, I mean, there's a couple, right? Obviously we would like to see norm, uh, evolve a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, as surge, I think for the money we yeah. want to see, but I'll tell you, man, I, and, and maybe I'm way off base on this, but I thought baby showed real flashes last season. Uh, something that I might, I thought that maybe he'd kind of keep going and I, they're just kind of not finding minutes for him right now. I'm trying to remember who it was I was having this conversation with, but when you just said baby, it popped in my head because I just saw a picture, I guess baby was on vacation with like, I don't know if it's his wife or his, his, uh, I don't know what the, how to classify their relationship, but it was baby, his little baby and like the mother of his kid, I'll assume. Right. And they were on vacation, his wife, I'll assume, right. They're on vacation and you see this picture and he just looks so happy. And like the caption was something about like baby's baby or something like that. Right. He just looked so happy. And I forget who it was I was having this conversation with, but it was about Corey Joseph. Right. And it was before the, I think, I guess it was right around when the Raptors traded Corey Joseph and we're talking, Oh no, you know what it was? It was last year. Remember there was a little stretch where Corey kind of struggled because he had that yeah. really great playoff run. And then last year, he kind of struggled for a bit during the season. It was during that time. And I forget who it was, because I, I want so badly to give them credit for this. But they gave gave me such perspective on it. And they were like, you know what? Like we, We're hard on a lot of players sometimes when they make it to the NBA and we crush them. You know, they have bad stretches or whatever. But sometimes, like as a human being, some guys already won. And I was like, and I took oh, a second and paused. And I was like, Holy shit, that's true. Like you're Corey Joseph, right? You went to Pickering High, <laughs> right? And you, so, you and you look at Bebe where he came from and yeah. stuff and, and getting yeah. to the NBA, a hundred percent. You know what I mean? I just, and like it was funny. So when you when you just said that about Bebe, I was like, oh, that popped in my head. Like seeing that picture and it reminded me of that conversation about Corey Joseph because guy from Pickering High to playing on the Toronto Raptors, like you won. Like you have an NBA championship ring with the Spurs, and then you got to play for your hometown team, like. You won, and you're still representing your country for Team Canada. You, you you won in this basketball life, right? And so you're you're right, Bebe. When you think about it, you know, like coming from where he comes from in Brazil, and like being an NBA player and getting multiple contracts, and still being in the league and making money and having a family and being able to provide. It's like ah, it's like kind of perspective, and I need that sometimes, right? Because I'm a dude that I crush. I'll crush Bruno. You know what I mean? I'll crush these guys when they struggle. So it was interesting to like sometimes pause and be like, hmm, you know what? Maybe Bebe won. I don't know. Now, that being said, I thought he could be Tyson Chandler. Maybe. Maybe. Right? And like the it's it's interesting because you think of the levels to this, right? Like, is it your boy Meek Mill that said there's levels to this shit? Is that his song? No, you know it. And, you know, there's levels to to different people's NBA careers or just basketball careers, right? Like if you think about it, there's some guys that like, oh, I'm just happy if I make it to the NBA. Then there'll be other guys like, yo, I'll be happy if I make it to the NBA and I get another contract. I was watching something the other day. It was uh, my guy, Gary Vaynerchuk. He was doing an interview with uh, Nick Selskis 
right? And Stelskis was talking about how like he was talking to JJ Redick and you know the importance of oh being an NBA vet for ten years like it just seems so crazy to like think that oh man I'm gonna play in the league like my goal I want to play in the league for ten years so I'm saying that to say you know there's levels to this shit in terms of if you're a baby. Your dream was probably just, you know, get to the league, get that million dollar contract, right? And you're you're good, right? Whereas Absolutely. you're LeBron and your goal is, yo, I want to chase fucking Mike. Like I'm Kobe. I want to be the best player ever, you know? Like it, it, it's interesting when you remind yourself that there's levels to this shit. No, right? absolutely you're absolutely right. Really, I just wanted to bring up Meek Mill for you, but <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, in terms of our Toronto Raptors, we're looking forward to that. It's interesting to to see them, how they'll wind up doing this end of the season. But really, as I've been saying the whole year, I just, for them and for me and the Raptors anyways, it's all about the playoffs. I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. And my reminder again to fans is stop caring about what the Americans say about you because you don't pay attention about what the Americans say about the Spurs and the Spurs are a pretty good team as well. And ain't nobody talking about the Spurs. So why would you think they talk about the Raptors? And also, I said this last week, and I need to say it again. Put your efforts towards being angry about what your networks here in Canada and how they talk about the game of basketball and your Toronto Raptors. Put your focus there. Because if you think about it, do you think there's people in Canada arguing that they don't talk about the Nashville Predators? Exactly, LA Kings. Right, like we're here and we hear a lot about this the the crappy Ottawa Senators over and over again, the crappy uh, Montreal Canadiens over and over again, right? Uh-huh. And why do we have to hear about that? Oh, because they're a Canadian team. So you know what? When the Cavs are struggling in the U.S., they're going to talk about the Cavs. They're not going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. Get over exactly. it, and who cares? Enjoy your kids and enjoy the season. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned something, Webby, that leads us perfectly into our Ask on Blast segment. Before we, we started recording, um, you mentioned the Olympics. And it's perfect because Sam wrote in and asked, have you guys been watching the Winter Olympics? And if so, what's been your favorite event? I've been all about the Winter Olympics. Really? I mean, with nothing else to watch. I mean, like, sure, I'll watch the, the Toronto Maple Leafs every once in a while here. But, uh, you know, that gets old and they don't play every day. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's just been uh, the top athletes in their sports competing every night uh, in multiple events, man, I've been, I've been right into it. I've been into the, the snowboarding and the, uh, the speed skating. It's all great. And then, boy, what, what a hockey game last night between the ladies. That was a great game. I will say that was a really good game. And that was the first like full-on Olympic event that I've watched during this entire thing. Like I watched the other night I uh, when, uh, what's her name, Rachel Holman lost in like the final end to China, yeah, I think it was, and curling. I watched like the final end of that. And then I watched uh, something else the other day, like just the very end of something else. I can't even remember what it was, but it's not even that much. Like I... I really have not been taking in the Olympics at all. But I did watch that game last night and that was a really, really good basketball or basketball game. I said that because I said that literally because LeBron James just threw down a crazy dunk. That's literally what just happened. But uh no, that was a great hockey game last night. And uh I'll obviously watch the men's hockey. Uh, I guess I'll watch the semifinals and finals. But I I don't even think I'll watch the men's hockey, man. No? But that the, the the ladies, it was just such a a great battle of styles. 
Yeah. Know, it, uh, it, and just to see which side was going to come out on top. Mm-hmm. It was, it, honestly, it was the best hockey game that I watched all year. Do you know what's crazy for me in the Olympics and why I never really got into it? The Olympics, I think, runs counter to like everything else that I consume right now in media. And follow me for a second here, right? So, especially being off during the Olympics, I noticed that I watched so much more stuff on YouTube, right? Like I was getting caught up in watching like Brilliant Idiots podcasts on YouTube, or I was watching, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast on YouTube, or, you know, whatever I wanted to watch, I was watching on my PVR or watching on, you know, and everything that I consume now, it's whenever I want to watch it, I can just tune in and watch it. And the Olympics is a complete opposite of that because it's on at like all these weird hours in the morning. I'm spending so much time trying to figure out what's on every channel because it's on like 10 different channels. And I'm trying to figure out what's on what channel and when. And it's on at all these weird times. And and counter to, again, we talked about our love for the NBA, right? If there's a sick-ass dunk that happens, guaranteed I'm going to see that dunk like 25 times in the next like 20 minutes that it happens. The Olympics, because they're, they're so strict on the right, I don't get to see all that stuff over and over again. They make it so difficult for you to see something that you might have missed. So it's like so counter to everything else that I consume. And like I feel like the way that, uh, for lack of a better term, we consume media nowadays I don't know if I'm if I'm off on this, but and maybe it's the time difference was the biggest factor. But I don't know; it's just super super odd to me. A hundred, I do agree with you in that uh, the way that it uh, that they deal with when the uh, events are and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I've been doing is just getting uh, my American cable going with my little VPN blocker here Ooh. and just throwing on the NBC coverage because okay. like, I'm at work all day. I don't know what's going on, so I just let them take me around uh, all the events at night that's fair that's fair and avoid like whatever twitter accounts or whatever comes across like who won what yeah it's like i'm not really and it's not like you the know the names gonna, yeah it's not, not like you know the, the names people are gonna tell me who won snowboard cross but even if it did say it's not like you know that person by name <laughs> and it's like <laughs> right, oh no right. i'm watching this now and i see what you're saying i see what you're saying very interesting uh but there's another ask on blast question webby and uh, I told you we would save this for a little bit later. And uh, this question is from me to you, Webby. <laughs> Simply, what do you think of Fergie's performance <laughs> at the All-Star Game? Okay, I've got a couple of thoughts, all right? <laughs> so uh, I missed it, right? I missed the beginning of the All-Star Game. So okay. I had to watch that terrible Kevin Hart thing okay. and the Fergie thing uh, after. Okay. And um, I, when I first heard the Fergie thing, I did... Because I heard just kind of, I saw kind of some of the reactions, right? Yeah. Like the Black China video thing. I saw all the reaction <laughs> gifts. I saw all the reaction gifts first before I actually. Hold on, you're just gonna slide that. <laughs> pardon the pun, because I didn't mean slide. the pun. I didn't mean the pun. You can slide in Jamie Foxx and Katie Holmes. I can slide in Black China. I didn't mean to slide. I didn't mean to say slide. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stop talking. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> so uh, I saw the reaction gifts first and then I watch it. I, I couldn't stop laughing. I had to show my, uh, my fiance and she, she's now obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 there was everything great about it. The reactions of the players, the, the, the cameraman to find Jimmy Kimmel in that moment as well. <laughs> yes. was fantastic. Oh, it was uh, so good. And, and then, okay, so then, but my favorite thing is, and I got to bring up our, our former colleague and, and our boy, Cabby. 
Okay. Because Cavi had Cavi had the best tweet that made me laugh so hard. Okay. But he meant it so sincerely. Oh. He was like, he was like, listen, you know, a lot of people are bashing Fergie, but she she really made a choice. You know, she really, uh, you know, she's an artist, and you know, she made an artistic choice with the anthem. I don't think we should be uh, we should be going after her for this. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And <laughs> I just saw, I was, I just I'm so that's hard. A, that's an interesting like, take. I was like, that's the take of the weekend that the Fergie anthem wasn't so bad. That's a that's a very interesting take. Wow. Hold on, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I see it now. It says, respect to Fergie for her rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Creatively took a chance. Gave it your own flavor on a TV show known as the NBA All-Star Game. Keep taking chances as any fearless artist does. Hey, wow, like that, is a, that is a... That's an interesting take. That's an interesting take when everyone's going one way. I mean, that, that's very interesting. It was... So, uh, now, now, now it, it, it ranks up there at worst anthems of all time, but it's still not as bad as, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it, Shelly, uh, if, if our listeners haven't, I need you to go on YouTube tonight, and okay. I need you to type in Worst O Canada Ever. Oh, is that my guy in Vegas? <laughs> That's your guy in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CFL game. Yeah, that guy is awesome. Yeah, that was, that's outstanding, for sure. My thing with the Fergie... Was and I was watching it live, and my nephew was over. We were watching the All Star Game together, and she starts, and we're talking, and I was kind of just like, "Hold on, what is going on right now?" And I was so confused. I was so confused because I couldn't tell what she was trying to do. And it wasn't until later someone brought it up, brought up the Marvin Gaye rendition on Twitter, that I was like, "Wait a second, she was trying to recreate her own Marvin Gaye anthem. Like that's what she was trying to do." And it, it was like, I, I guess that's what she was trying to do. Like I'm still not even sure, but I, I think that's what she was trying to do. And so I went back and had to like actually take in. And for the young bucks listening, when you get a sec, that when you're is on YouTube, one of the greatest anthems of all time. Yeah, definitely go back and take a listen to Marvin Gaye's uh, rendition of the. Star Spangled Banner, because it is something. Like, he basically, what Fergie was trying to do, I think, Marvin Gaye successfully did, but he wasn't all like, I mean, I was trying to say, like, Barkley, I guess, when he came up after or at halftime, and Barkley's like, oh, I think I need a cigarette, right? Because his, his <laughs> yeah. whole thing was like, Fergie tried to like sex up the anthem, right? And I <laughs> guess that's what Marvin Gaye did, except for like, Marvin Gaye just was that. Like he wasn't yeah, trying to be like he just made it his own, right? He took the uh, like a notoriously difficult song for anybody to sing. Like yeah. the lyrics don't match the music, and he made it his own. Yeah, you know, and he made it a Marvin Gaye song. And like Marvin Gaye, just like epitomizes that. I don't think he would have to like try to sound like that. You know what I mean? Right. So like, <laughs> I don't know. Again, I was just so confused by Fergie. I think like. There were parts that kind of were okay, and then there were others where she just clearly went overboard, right? And that to me was like, okay, so it could have worked at some points. There are some points that I was like, okay, Fergie, I see what you're doing here. And then there were others that were just like, whoa, yeah, that's a bit too <laughs> Yikes. much. Clearly that part where the Draymond Green meme that will now live forever, right? Like that's one of those... <laughs> That's one of those parts that was just so good because it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And and why the NBA is the NBA. 
right? Because before the All-Star game even happened, there was already a moment that will go down as why we'll remember this All-Star game. Exactly. NBA is amazing, as always. And as the NBA continues to be amazing, we'll be right here, and hopefully you will too, to join us on the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And also, we've been starting to put up some more content on YouTube. So hit up the YouTube page, Sheldon Alexander, and subscribe and find out what goodies we got for you there. Absolutely. And uh, I'm Andrew Webster. You can catch me on uh, all social media at AWebster84. Just going nuts about the Sixers, who look like they might be uh, on the verge of winning a sixth straight game for the first time since 2011-2012. Oh, boy. Wow. Sixers winning and Cavs losing, it looks like here. But again, as always, we are the Ball on Blast podcast, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time. See ya. Peace. Boom, blast.